Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Before I open God's Word, <clears throat> I want us to do something that's not on the program. I, uh, this morning, woke up and I did something special in the privacy of just me and the Lord. And I just want you to join in on that. I've asked for one of the flags to be brought out because in a minute I want us to pledge allegiance to the flag. But after that, I want you to do what I did this morning. My mind went back to vacation Bible school 150 years ago when I was a little boy. <laughs> and we learned another pledge. And it was a pledge to the Bible. You say, but I don't know that one. I'm going to help you with that one if you don't. Many of you do. But if you don't, I want us to pledge allegiance to the flag. But I don't want to do that alone. Because in the context of what I want to say to you today, it has to do with thus saith the Lord. So would you stand out of respect to the flag? And would you join me in pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, the way we used to do in Bible school is, you know, we would draw swords, and this is the sword of the Lord. And we got to step forward one step. And I want to hold the Bible. And let me just, for those of you that have not heard the pledge to the Bible, to say it after me. I pledge allegiance to the Bible. God's holy word. I'll make it a lamp unto my feet. A light unto my path. I'll hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thank you. Now remain standing just a second. I want to read to you something from the book of Nehemiah. It just sort of sets up. I'm going to be right back in the scripture in a moment while you're seated, but for your convenience and to get to thinking in a comfortable situation, I want to read to you from Nehemiah chapter 8. Verses 1 through 6. I choose to read this because you'll find it's something very interesting. As we read the first six verses, and I will read them to you, I want you to notice that it was on the first day of July, according to the Holy Word, when this was given. We think of July the 4th, 1776. We're going to go back 2,500 more years to another Independence Day. Another day when something great happened to a nation. So would you let me read it to you? Eighth chapter of Nehemiah, verses 1 through 6. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spoke unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. 
And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all of the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. And when Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, when he had opened it, all of the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people, and all of the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. That day, something happened to a nation. Keep that in mind as we look at the rest of the story. Would you be seated? Thank you for standing. You see, back in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, and of course those two books walk parallel as you study them, the people of God knew that in order to continue a relationship with God, then they must have a relationship with the Word of God, the laws of God, the teachings of God that God had spoken to them through his word. He had instructed them through his written word. And if they were going to have the blessings of God upon them, then they were going to have to understand the importance of God's word to their nation. As we look very carefully at the scripture, you will... Recall, if you will read this book, and it will not take you long to read it, that prior to the exile, the people had experienced a time when they left God's Word and began to do things that the world was doing. They no longer were single-minded in the following of God's Word knowing that the covenant of God was written in the Word, that God said to that nation, and he says to every nation, and he says to this nation, if you want my blessing, you will have to stay in a right relationship with me. And the way you stay in a right relationship with me is you don't forsake my Word. Because I don't change what I told Israel, I tell America. If you want God to bless America, you must revere my word. You remember how that all started? Do you remember how Moses was sent out by God to go into the mountain? God said, Moses, you're the leader of my people. I am going to give you some some truth that you must take back to the people. You remember Moses went up on the mountain? Do you remember how many points there was in God's message to Moses? How many things were there in the commandments? Ten. Today our nation, 
Years ago, our nation had 33 million laws trying to interpret the original 10. And in order to adopt a many of those laws, they have had to leave the original 10 laws that God has said, as you will see, as long as you keep my word, I will keep my covenant with you. But when you leave my word, that covenant no longer holds. It was conditional. It was conditional on not thus saith the preacher, not thus saith the legislature, but thus saith the Lord. Now, nation, whether it's America, whether it's Israel, or any other nation, God has said and has never changed, my word will not return void, he says. I want you to think, what happened? Up on the, world, up on the hill, serious thing. God is speaking to God's man, and God's man says, on behalf of my people, I will make that vow, that covenant. Then he comes down the mountain. What was happening at the bottom of the mountain? The people of God, no, 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 not them, us, had decided no longer God's word, but from this point forward, it's party, party, party. And we will start by having a wild, immoral, forsake the word of God party. We will get people so drunk and so mesmerized to the pleasures of this world that they would never go back to thus saith the Lord or any thou shalt not, and they will call it freedom. But a man is not free unless the Lord sets you free. And God has said, if I set you free, you're free indeed. As these people we saw on the video from some of the parts of the world where today if somebody stood up and held this book up, they would be assassinated in a matter of seconds. But they're still holding up the book. There's more martyrs this year in the world than every time if, in any time of history, Christian martyrs. You say, well, I don't see in, too many of them in Houston. No, not yet, anyway. But the point is that Jerusalem had been devastated. They chose to go the ways of the world. Their walls crumbled. The gates of the city were burned. The people were in shock. They had left Jerusalem, and they had gone in every direction. Now, keep in mind, God still loved them. Keep in mind that God loved them unconditionally. Keep in mind, as you read through the book of Nehemiah, that God, over and over again, even the prophets of God, God, if I were you, I'd just kill them all. And God said, no, that's not the kind of God I am. I want them to be free. Those are my people. Now, they're in bondage, and they will get what their bondage will bring to them because if they decide to bow down to the gods of this world, they will receive what the gods of this world have to give them. Temporary moment satisfaction, few seconds of enjoyment, few years of party, 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 and then the rest of their time they're going to be in bondage, and God said, that breaks my heart because I want them to be free. In fact, I have said you can know truth and the truth will make you free, but you do not have to accept truth. You can go whatever way you want to go. Now go back to Nehemiah chapter 1, if you have your Bible there. 
For sake of time, I want to take you down a few verses, and let me just read to you what's going on. You see, Nehemiah got a burden for his country. He got a burden for his nation. He got a burden. He went to the king alone and said, I feel that God is calling me to make a difference. But he was alone. A few people came quickly to join him. Let me pick up the story, first chapter. It says, the remnant that are left, talking about of the captivity, there in the province are in, now listen, he's describing the people of, that are, the few that are still there in Jerusalem. It says that they are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept. And I mourned for certain days. I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keeps covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant which I pray to you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which have sinned against you. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Listen, listen to what he's saying. Not what about them. I have sinned. My family has sinned. My people have sinned. My friends are living in sin. That's what he's saying. He does not take it, look at them. He says, look at me. Stay with me. We have dealt very corruptly against you. We have not kept your commandments, our statutes, nor judgments, which you commanded. Your servant Moses, which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I beseech you, the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying. Listen to this. If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you will turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet I will gather them from thence. I will bring them into the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power, by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I beseech you now, your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and to prosper. And I pray you, you servants this day, to grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Then he says, and what are my credentials? I carried his coffee cup around. I was his cupbearer. Now I want you to stay with me for a moment. As I told you last week, we were in Savannah, Georgia, my wife and I, a week ago. I'd never been to Savannah, Georgia. I was riding in a horse carriage. I came by one of those beautiful squares. Out there on the square, there was a statue. The statue was a man named John Wesley. As John Wesley's statue was huge in the middle of that square, that statue has him holding out one hand like this, and the other hand is like this. Now hold that for just a moment. This is the statue. 
As we're driving by, a girl who was in college and working in the summer was our guide. She was a beautiful young lady. She was very gracious. She was very cordial. Here's what she said. She stopped the carriage. She said, if you will go out there into the middle of that square, there's a statue out there of a man named John Wesley. Let me tell you about John Wesley, she said. John Wesley came here to Savannah several uh, many years ago. Actually, it's over 200 years before. And said, this man was a preacher. And he started a church, and she pointed over, right over there in that building. There were three in him. But said, he started preaching sin and repentance and judgment. And he told the people they needed to confess their sins. But said, nobody did. So six months into his pastorate, he would see them sinning. So he would come to the church on Sunday. And since they wouldn't confess their sins, he confessed their sins for them. And then she kind of giggled like you did, and she looked at us, and she said, and I want you to know that his pastorate only lasted one year, and listen to this, and we ran him out of town. End of, end of dialogue. Let's go to the next statue. Now, if any of you know anything about John Wesley, you know that if you're a Methodist, you know about John Wesley, if you like to sing Christmas, uh, Christian songs, you've probably heard of Charles Wesley. You know that we ran him out of town. We, get that, we. That's like a, a flea sand an elephant. We sure did shake that bridge. We, me, me, 19 years old, I was a part of running him out of town because I feel the same way about those people. Forget about confessing sin, about, uh, whatever. Let me tell you about the statue. Go out there and look at the statue. It'll tell you what it's about. You know what this means? This means... John Wesley's saying, my contact with God is this. You don't put this down and contact God. The contact is through the covenant, the statutes, and the commandments of God. This is my contact with God, and this is my contact with you. Mercy, forgiveness, love, whosoever will may come. You get out of town, buddy. We don't want that in our town. We don't want that in our church. And John Wesley was run out of town, but he helped change the world of his day. That's what the scripture's about in Nehemiah's day. I will cling to the old rugged cross, but we must cling to the word of God and what it says about the old rugged cross. You see, there is more to it than any of us can possibly imagine. When John Wesley said, we must repent to stay right with God, we must confess our sin, and since you won't, my last-ditch effort is let me do it for you because I want my God to know that without you, we can do nothing. There's no reason. Listen to me. There is no reason for those of us that claim we're a Christian and don't live godly lives and don't study and know and love and obey the Word of God. There is no reason for us to expect God to bless us any more than the people who said, we don't want the Word of God. You can't do what the world does and expect different results even though you say you're a Christian. We're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. There's more to this than just signing my name on the document. 
And when a nation begins to rebel against God, somebody ought to be able to see it, and anybody can see it that knows thus saith the Lord, that knows the Ten Commandments, if you please, to start with. We know the Scripture, but we feel we can question its authority. That's the rest of the church. Parts of the Bible are inspired, and I'm inspired. To, you know, spots of the Bible are inspired, and I'm inspired to spot the spots. And we'll tell you what's relevant and what isn't relevant. And, and God is saying, my word changes not. Thou shalt not kill is just as relevant as in the day when God wrote it. And last week, a Congress could not stop the killing of 20-week-old babies that were born alive because of a silly filibuster. And we say, oh, well, that's the way it is. Not if God's people humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways. You'll see something happen real quick about that kind of stuff. And it may not come through the Congress. It may come straight from the source. Every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess. Kings and lords are going to bow down before the Son of God. Every pastor is going to bow down. Every layperson is going to bow down. Every political leader is going to bow down. Everybody's going to bow down, young and old, one day before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, who's going to wake up? Who's going to wake up? 1 Samuel 8, 7. I want you to remember this scripture. The Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. Listen, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. God said, they're not rejecting the church, they're rejecting me. They're not rejecting you, Bible teachers, they're rejecting God. And God has said, they don't want me to reign over them. They think freedom is nobody telling them what to do. That's what they think freedom is. Well, you go to 2 Kings 17, you can just read it out. Verse 9, they send us a heathen. Verse 11, they were using drugs, burning incense, Verse 12, they were serving idols. Number 14, verse 14, they hardened their neck. They did not believe in the Lord their God. Verse 15, they rejected his statutes. By the way, marriage is a statute of God. Ordained by God, planned by God. It's his deal. He created the players in the marriage. It is a statute, a commandment ordained of God. It doesn't matter what your political opinion is. It is God's word. And they rejected it then. We're rejecting it now. And, it's, and the threats are coming from every hand, every hand. Every day I get warnings. But God's word changes not. And we've got to understand that, folks. It's not about trying to get along with everybody. There's only one person I want to get along with outside of my wife. No, no, I want to get along with her too. <laughs> God, right? If God be for us, what does the next verse say? Who will be against us? Who will be against us? As we look at our own country, our state, our city, you know, we have 2,000 churches in this city. Do you know that? Look like things would be different in this city. If a nation is serious about God and his word, if we're serious, you'd think that we'd want to please God by obeying his word, wouldn't you? Wouldn't we think that's a no-brainer? Would we think that that doesn't need to be, be brought up in the politic, political meetings, but rather in the meetings of the people of God? And by the way, those meetings should be on our knees, bowed before God. 
It's okay to do this. We're to lift up our hands as long as our heads are bowed. But we're not worthy to look into his face. One day, now we look through a a glass dimly, but one day we're going to see him face to face. But now listen, they prayed and then they acted. History has proven that nations will stay in their rebellion until major disaster takes them down. All through history. Rome fell. Just go, go through them all. Now, in the Old Testament, the temple represented God's presence. The temple was the place of God. But now, through the Holy Spirit, our bodies are the temple of God. And God is to dwell in us. And so, to get God's, God uses to get people's attention major disasters. 911 hit America. Three weeks we had revival in the church house. Fourth week, it went right back to the same old thing. As I'm talking to you, the fires are coming from the west and the floods are coming from the east almost every week of our life. It was 126 degrees out in Las Vegas, which is not really the uh, premier uh, godly town of the world. But it was 126 degrees out there yesterday. The tornadoes, the earthquakes, divorce, Bankruptcies, hurricanes, keep on going. Disaster after disaster after, after disasters. And our bodies, being the temple of God, we need to look around and say, hey, I need to read God's word and I need to watch the news. Let me tell you what your favorite program ought to be outside of, of some Christian program that's a good one. Keep up with what's going on in your world. I'm amazed how many young people never watch the news. Never. They have no idea what went on in this country last week. All they know is we had a good party on Friday night over at so-and-so's house. And, you know, I did pretty good at that party. You know, I met the right people. I had just a wonderful Friday night and all. Hey, you don't have to go back in ancient history. $40 million football players in jail today for murder. Last week... My stock market has struggled. Warnings are going out about what's going to happen. Racial tension is strong in court trials, public figures. Racial tension is like this. I read yesterday where our government bought $3.3 million worth of United States flag from China. From China. I'll, I'll leave that where it is. I watched the lady stand up and filibuster when they were trying to pass a law that would say when a baby is 20 weeks old and is born, it is to live life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And a young lady got up who I learned had had a pregnancy in her teenage years and filibustered and killed the bill. Tomorrow is going to be an important day. I'm not talking politics, folks. I'm talking God's Word. God will bring a nation into judgment for killing its babies. You can count on it. It is all through the Bible. That is non-debatable in the Scripture. And your personal situation or mine, it has nothing with me being a preacher. It has to be doing that children are an inheritance of God and and bring the children because theirs is the greatest in the kingdom of God. It is over and over and over. And if your views differ from God's views, you're wrong according to God. 
But God loves you anyway. You know better or no worse than me. But you are having to, you have to see what God's word said. God's clear plan for marriage is in his word. Nehemiah wept. He didn't get, get a placard and go running down the street and saying, you know, something to him. What he did was he wept. And he humbled his heart and he said, oh God, please bring revival. Please use me. And he went back to Jerusalem. And as he went back, the people started working. Everybody got involved. People mocked him. Chapter 5 of Nehemiah, social justice around. You know what their problems were? They had problems with food, welfare program. They were in great debt. Their morals were crumbling. Their children were like the children of the world. Their finances were like the finances of the world. Read it in fifth verse. Their flesh was like the flesh of the world. Verse 9, Nehemiah says, what you're doing is not right. That's what he told the people. You're not doing right. You're, not, you're doing what the world's doing, and it's acceptable in your culture, but it's not right with me. And then in the 8th chapter of Nehemiah, in that 5th and 6th verse, he, when he stood up, he opened the Bible, and people stood. And when they stood, they all wept. They got the message. And he held up the word. They began to weep, and they began to seek God. And as they began to seek God, God came in a powerful, powerful way. What made them weep? Nehemiah 8, 9, they, they wept when they heard the words of the law. See, some Christians hadn't read the Bible in so long, they don't remember what God said. They thought the Ten Commandments are the Ten Suggestions. They don't even know what they are. I've seen that on television time after time. Ten Commandments, how many of them can you name? If you can get four, you can be in the top of your class. Whenever, and then the tenth verse says, the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what makes you get up in the morning and face the day? I know that I know that I'm saved. And I know that I know that he's got the whole world in his hand. And I know that I know that whatever I face today, he's going to be with me. I know that. So bring it on, devil. The, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I thought about baseball. Whenever the team is in the huddle, you know, you're ready to get the game on. What's the first thing they do? They're all in the dugout. They all run up on the steps of the dugout, and it's now time for the game to begin. And what do they do? They all run out on the field, the defense, right, the home team. They all run out on the field and get in their position. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have the right fielder fighting the catcher and say, no, I want to catch today. That's the way we had it when I was sick. No, I'm going to be the batter. No, you're going to be, no, you're going to be the catcher. No, I'm going to be the batter. They know where they're going to play. But you know what? They know they're all going to get in the game, right? We're going to say, well, you know, I'm kind of tired this week and it's rained and I'm, I'm a little allergic to rain. And so I don't want to get out there in this high moisture and this humidity. No, when the, when the manager says hit the field, they hit the field, right? In the same way with any football game or whatever. They get in the game. It's one thing to know the Lord. It's another thing to serve the Lord. It's they say, I hear what you say, but my grandmother told me my allergies. Well, act up in that, so I will just wait. The managers say, no, you won't need to wait. You can go ahead and leave right now. Not only the field, but the ballpark. And, tie your, and tear your contract up as they did the football player this week. I want to close with a, with a real quick story. A man by the name of Hank Huff was here 
a couple years ago, he was starting a brand new ministry. Remember, he had kingdom dogs. If you came to the HRA, you saw him take those dogs and do incredible things with them. Well, well you remember he read his script. I mean, he, he was so nervous, and I'll make a long story short. Hank came to my office this week. He gave me a big hug. He said, I want you to thank the people of Sagemont for giving me an opportunity. He said, I want to show you what's happened the last two years. He showed me picture after picture after picture. So many stories, but I'm just going to give you one. He said, over 15,000 people have come to Jesus through these dogs in the last 24 months. Over 15,000. He told me some stories about some of them. But then he said, and, and Brother John, God's opened the doors into the schools now. Now, this is a little short fellow. Used to sell insurance. He loved dogs, and God spoke to him and says, why don't you use those dogs? If they won't listen to you, maybe they'll listen to the dog. If they won't listen to the preacher, maybe they'll listen to the dog because some people love their pets a whole lot more than they love their pastor. So, you know, why don't they just listen to the, the dog? And so he said, let me tell you what I do. He said, I go in the public schools and said, the door's wide open to me. Now, and I talk about obedience. That's what I talk about, discipline and obedience to the young people. So he said, I go in with three dogs. He said, I got one in a cage. I got one on a leash, and then I got one that's just going around loving on everybody and just goes all through the crowd, and everybody wants to hug it and so forth and so on. And he says, as I get up to speak to the kids, I say, welcome, my name is Hank Huff. This is this dog and this dog and this dog. And he said, now let me talk to you first of all about this dog. That's the one in the cage. He says, this is the name. He says, why do y'all think he's in the cage? He said, let me tell you why he's in the cage. That dog bit me. And he said, that dog, you never know what he's going to do. Sometimes he's awesome, but sometimes he'll turn on you like that. So he's going to stay in the cage because I don't want him biting any of you. He said, now, what about the one on the leash out here? He said, why do you think he's on the leash? He said, let me tell you why he's on the leash. Sometimes he obeys me and sometimes he don't. And so as long as he's obeying me, he pretty much do what he wants to. But when he's not, he said, I got to keep him on the leash. He said, now, I notice y'all like that dog out there. And he just speaks to the dog, and the dog just stopped. He says, now, why do you think that dog out there is running around just having a good time and, and total freedom? He says, because we got a relationship, me and the dog. He said, first of all, I convinced the dog I was a good guy <laughs> and that I had his best interest in stake. I got the best food, the best bed, the best veterinarian, I got the best everything for that dog. And as long, and he knows this. And he said, now I know that that dog loves me. He says, because that dog loves me and I love that dog, that dog has total freedom. He says, you know, your teachers love you. They wouldn't be teaching you. Your principal loves you. Even the police love you. Your parents love you. Your church loves you. Okay? Why don't you build a relationship with them? You get where he goes with this? Has he got out John 3.16? No. No. But he says, you know what? A lot of you are going to end up in cages. You can you, you get the picture there? Why do we have prisons? Would we have any prisons if people just obeyed the Ten Commandments? I don't know what we would have one for. We have many that are on leashes. They have to be disciplined, so forth and so on. But there's a few that have freedom. Those are the ones that know the Lord. Hey, Paul was free whether he's in jail or out of the jail because freedom was a relationship with God. That's the message today. You want to be free? There's more to it. There's more to it.
than just a flag, as important as that is, and the battlefield, as necessary as that is, but the freedom comes in Jesus Christ. And you can know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's the reason we have a connection center here in the back. That's the reason we have that big room. That's the reason the man came in there this morning at 8 o'clock and said, I want, to, I want to know the Lord, and I want to be baptized today. That's what that's all about. You know what he's saying? I want to be free. I want to be free. The man that was baptized, I want to be free. You can see the pain. You can see the difficulties, but he is free. He is free, and his whole countenance has changed. Everybody in the family, including himself, would tell you, when you're born again, old things pass away, and all things become new. And in his weakness, he can be made strong by the Lord. What about you? You just want to go on? You just want to get mad and say, well, I'll just go to some other church where there's plenty of them you can go to that do not preach the Bible. But God says that's the only reason you're here, preacher, is to preach the Word of God. That's it. That's it. If that turns you off, God bless you. God still loves you, and I still love you. But it doesn't change the preaching of the Word. It doesn't change the purpose of this church. It does not change what we're here for. Because we'll not give an account to anybody but to God. And one day, I want you to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You took those old dogs and you used them to bring people to me. What do you have? Use it for the glory of God. Would you stand for a moment? <clears throat> this is a very important day. By the way, let me tell you how God works. Last Monday afternoon, about 3.30, we received the money to purchase the property. We were about $4,000 short. We weren't going to move money around. We weren't going to do the world's way. We just said we're going to wait on the Lord. If God doesn't want us to have the property, he won't have it. So we made that decision, about $4,000 needed. In about 15 or 20 minutes, we went past the $4,000, and by 5 o'clock, we had passed another $100,000. God did exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask. Not only have we bought the property, it is closed as of Tuesday at 5 o'clock at the title company to protect the cross and the view of the cross, but he's gave us enough money to buy the property across the street. For that, uh, and so it's, it's, not, it's under contract, but it's not bought. That's what God does. You... You trust God said, if you be faithful for a few things, I'll even give you more things. So God has blessed. Now, if you're here today and you'd say, preacher, I got it. Not from you. I just got it from God. I'm in bondage. I want to be free. Boy, what a day. What a day to celebrate freedom. To come and join us tonight out at the cross and join with a host of people. One 70 years old I know of that's going to be baptized we invite you to do that. If right now you would just want to slip out before we move, our time is, is gone here as we make room for the next group to come in. But while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here and you say, boy, I'm so excited. I just want to go give my heart to Jesus. I want to talk to somebody, make sure I understand what this is. And yeah, you know, if, if nothing hinders me from being baptized, I want to be baptized tonight. I want you to just slip out right now. And those of you that work uh, and talk with the people in the Connection Center, would you go out right now? Would you just slip out? And others of you can join with these folks to go back to the Connection Center and, and talk with them and meet with them. Some of them are already there. But you can do that. You can do that. You may not even want to join this church. 
That's, this is not about joining the church. This is about being obedient to the word of God. Be born again and trust him with your life. So you can slip out right now. I'm going to pray and then we're going to be dismissed. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, as we come to the end of this service, we know that there are people here that desperately, desperately need to hear a personal word from you. Not from anybody but you. And would you send your angels to speak to that open heart that's struggling, trying to make it, having so much problems with so many things and no freedom at all in this wonderful nation that you have allowed us to have more freedom maybe than anybody in the world. But still, they're in bondage. Would you today just speak to hearts, lead them back to our Connection Center, and if needed, to the lake tonight at the foot of the cross. Now bless our Bible studies that will follow the next service. And would you, oh Lord, allow us to just know by something today that you still love us and you still have a plan for our life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.